And here we are. Welcome, everybody, to the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. It is me, the new managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman. And uh, we are here in the wee hours of a Sunday night to talk all things New Japan Pro Wrestling with you. A little bit of Ring of Honor and some WWE as well. Uh, but first, let me introduce uh, my guests, uh, my co-hosts, my fellow pundits here for this evening. First of all, I've got Jesse Collins here. Jesse, say hello to everybody. Hey, what's going on, Chris? No, that's I'm Nick. I'm Nick. Nick. No, but now you kind of you you took my intro for me because now I'm going to say his name. Uh, joining us right now uh, to the box on the other side of him is our good friend Chris Featherstone. Chris, good to talk to you again. It's been a while since we've got to chat. Yes, Nick. It has been a, it has been a while. Uh, before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to the best college football team in the world, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, to all of my Buckeye fans, OH. There it is for all you Ohio fans out there and for all you Chicagoans and, and you're from Boston, Jesse, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just everybody. Welcome. Thank you very much for tuning in. Share the link out, share some love, hit us up over on Twitter, on Facebook, but let's get into it here tonight. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's been a busy weekend for professional wrestling. I'm going to kick it to you first, Jesse. Uh, we're going to talk ring of honor here for just a second before we get into uh, a new Japan pro wrestling. Ring of Honor on Friday night had death before dishonor. What were a couple of big takeaways you had from the show on Friday night? Well, I don't think it was a particularly big newsworthy show. I would say the biggest thing was the main event that was between Will Ospreay and Jay Lethal. And I thought that was a really good match, even though it was random. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Will Ospreay is not with the company. He's off kind of a freelancer at this point. He's with signs with New Japan. So you knew he wasn't going to win the title. But I thought it was a really good match. And I thought it was interesting how Will Ospreay wrestled. It wasn't the typical Will Ospreay match. Like tonight, we kind of saw the typical Will Ospreay match. And it was awesome. And there was a lot of high flying and all the flips and all that kind of stuff. And this was a more traditional match. And I think one of the things we're seeing is he's focusing more on a more durable, traditional style with the hopes of eventually maybe becoming a heavyweight and working in the heavyweight division in New Japan, which would be a big boost for him, and he's certainly capable of doing it. And I think that's one of the main takeaways I had. The other one was the push of Jeff Cobb. He yeah. just start, he just started in Ring of Honor, and I think they're bringing him in and giving him the monster push. Uh, it's a, can, can I do a spoiler? He won the TV title. Yeah, um, sure. Well, we saw it on Unleashed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He, he won the television title uh, on the, during the tapings the next night, so he's gonna be a uh, he's gonna be a big push in Ring of Honor. I think that's important because I think a lot of the guys at the top are, are guys like Jay Lethal and Christopher Daniels and Osprey, who they brought in, kind of guys that have been around for a while. And Cobb's a new face in Ring of Honor. He's been on a, a name on the independent scene for a few years, and I think they really need more new guys because it's tough for them. I think what people forget about ring of honor is just how many guys they've lost. They've been raided by WWE. I mean, look at WWE last few years, they've signed Kevin Owens, former ring of honor world champion, Sami Zayn, huge star there with El as El Generico, Roderick strong, Adam Cole, right. uh, Bobby fish, Kyle O'Reilly. The list goes on and on. And it, Punish Martinez is a mid Carter in ring of honor. And it looks like he's headed to WWE as well. Yeah, so I saw that. I said that. Bringing in a guy like Jeff Cobb and giving him a big push and, and having him look dominant and look scary is, is something that they really need to do. And they really need guys that they can count on to to anchor the main events when the guys from Bullet Club aren't there. Yeah, no, that's uh, I think you're 100 percent right about that. And Ring of Honor, you know, that's been something I've heard come up over the past couple of years uh, is just, you know, the dependence on the Bullet Club name of, of Ring of Honor. 
because uh, Ring of Honor doesn't own Bullet Club, right? New Japan Pro Wrestling owns Bullet Club. So I think it is, uh, like you're saying, Jesse, very important for them to be finding things to invest in, make their own right now. You couldn't have a better free agent than Jeff Cobb. I mean, you know, it was mentioned tonight uh, on the New Japan card, uh, or New Japan show that we'll talk about here in a second. You know, this has been a big month for Jeff Cobb. You know, before this even, winning the Battle of Los Angeles, which is like a, a huge thing for, for any wrestler. I mean, he, he's the center of attention right now. Just on the bubble, not in that NXT kind of WWE mix, but I agree. It was a great night for him. And uh, one more thing before we move on to Fighting Spirit Unleashed here um, and, and talk about New Japan. I do want to put over the Sumi Sakai versus Tennille Dashwood match. Uh, I was at Supercard of Honor uh, WrestleMania weekend, and uh, that that felt to me like it should have been the finals. Tennille lost in like a, a pre-show match that night and wasn't even like included in the, in the the finals at all for that title. So I thought it was great to see those two finally get in there and show the world what, what the women of honor division uh, can really be capable of. Cause I thought that was just a really good bout that they had. Yeah. I think the women of honor division has been kind of tough. I think getting it off the ground, it's hard to do it when there aren't a ton of big names you can bring in to help kind of solidify it. So you have to kind of build from the ground up. Sumi Sakai is a veteran that's been on the Indies for a while. Tennille Dashwood, people know as Emma in, in WWE. So she's kind of a name kind of person you can bring in and people will know. But it's tough because, um, unfortunately, women's wrestling on the independent scene isn't followed as closely as men's wrestling. So you don't have like kind of like a Jeff Cobb kind of like person that people know that you can bring in and get over. And, and I think that's kind of tough. So I think they're, they've, they're sticking with it. I think they've had some better matches. Yeah, um, And time will tell how successful they are. But I do think it's a challenge because, again, anyone good that they come up with, WWE is going to be ready to snatch them up because WWE loves signing depth to their to NXT. You make it sound so combative there. I don't I don't know for sure for gospel that that's the case. There was like a constant raid on Ring of Honor. It's interesting because you look at WWE right now, you know, through that that lens and we'll maybe kind of wrap up the ROH discussion here, move to New Japan. But there's such a glut right now at WWE of talent, just everything, right? It doesn't matter. The, the more they're, talent, the better. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the, you got guys there that aren't getting the love. They're not shining. Well, if they're not getting the attention as if they weren't, you know, I feel like in an environment where there was just this glut. I, I don't know where maximum capacity gets to a point for a wrestling company, but I think WWE might be getting pretty close right now. Well, yeah, you take a guy like, like here's a guy, perfect, perfect candidate, Donovan Dijak, right? A guy that was coming up through Ring of Honor, he, he came up on the, the New England Independents, came up through Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, you know, put him in a top prospect tournament, kind of had him building him up. WWE finds out about him. He leaves Ring of Honor. He does like the two or three month tour with Evolve and then goes to WWE. How many Christopher Dijak matches, uh, which I think is what the name he's going by. How many ma those matches have we seen since he went to WWE? How many have been on NXT television? Not a whole lot. So they do have that talent. And eventually those guys will want to leave because they're not getting to wrestle on television and they'll maybe come back to ring of honor. And it's kind of a, a push and a pull kind of thing, but I think it's tough for them. I mean, Leo, like Leo rush is a good example. Leo rush was someone that they found on the Maryland independence. They put him in the top prospect tournament. They give him a push. He, he's kind of starting to get over in ring of honor and then boom, WWE's on him like that. He goes to evolve for a few months and then bam, he's in WWE and ring of honor really didn't get anything out of him, even though he invested the time to put him on a stage like that. And I, I, it's hard for them to keep building forward unless they have guys like the young bucks and Cody coming in and really anchoring those big shows because despite all the talent losses, their business is better than ever. Their live attendance is, is up big time. Yeah. Well, well, people are aware of it. It's an interesting time for Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, which we'll now get to. I mean, 
because they are the they're they're a viable uh they're a viable second easily at this point you know the production value has gotten there there's a lot to like there's a lot of talent a lot of characters maybe you maybe you know cody Rhodes or you knew the american dream dusty Rhodes. so there's a little hook there for you i agree the hot topic stuff with bucks uh the bucks and bullet club hasn't hurt it's just a very interesting time for pro wrestling and, and it sets the stage great here for the show we're going to dive uh deep into here tonight thank you everyone for tuning in again feel free to share this out i'm here with uh jesse and chris it's time to chat fighting spirit unleashed oh, man i really wish i had like cool sound effects for like um let's talk new japan pro wrestling uh i really had a great time with this show i thought it was a lot of fun we're gonna go match by match here uh of course the show started off with ach uh taguchi and jushin thunder liger taking on Rapongi 3k uh since i threw it to jesse here for ring of honor i'm gonna throw it to you chris what'd you think of this opener here good opener uh good six man uh to open the show with uh the juniors um you know it's always it's always good to see Liger uh, in a match, and um, it's funny because there was a I was kind of taking uh, notes of just all the errors from both uh, Jr. and Kevin Kelly, although uh, they are they're two really good play by play guys, but they really didn't complement each other too much because there wasn't really a color uh, analyst. There were just two play by plays, and um, I did notice that. Um, uh, Kevin Kelly said that Jushin Thunder Liger debuted in 87 and then uh, in ROH when he lost against Kenny King uh, a couple days late, a couple days before they said he debuted in 84. So it was, uh, I noticed that that was pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, overall just the, the match quality was good. And um, it's always good to have the juniors open uh, for, for the show. Um, and I think uh, I, I really don't see what this leads to because it doesn't seem like it leads to anything but they usually have the juniors uh open the, the show just to have like a feel-good moment to get everybody ready and so i think it i, I think it I, I think for that purpose it did what it was supposed to and and for me i think this match uh at least for me was to see how ach kind of fits with these guys fits in this yeah. this environment he's the new guy there i mean did you think that he uh enhanced the energy of that match well, he was Tiger Mask uh, Black or Tiger. Um, what was the other? T- he was the what was it Tiger Mask Black or something like that um, mm-hmm. uh, for for a while. So he's been he's been in New Japan for for you know occasions. So, sure. but as far as as far as integrating himself officially in the junior division, I think he'll be a really good fit. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, any uh, any thoughts here, Jesse, on this opening bout? It's a typical New Japan opening match. There was a good energy. The crowd loves Liger. The crowd really got into Taguchi and his hip attacks. So that's good. It's what you want to see in a regular match. I did notice the announcing thing where they said that they're coming up on 30 years of Liger. I think that's a reference to that. Um, Li- the Liger character has been around for 30 years and debuted, I think, in 87 or 88. And But Kiji Yamada, the guy who plays Jushin Thunder Liger debuted in 84. So they're not just uh, themselves on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a good match and, and it's good to see ACH. I think ACH is really talented, hasn't really stuck in a company yet. So hopefully we'll get to see more of him in new Japan. I know he was part of the best of the super juniors earlier this year and did good. So it was a fine, fine opening match. Now here's the thing. I want to talk about the announcing real quick. Cause you guys both seem to, and I, I guess I didn't dislike the announcing. I thought it was actually better 
announcing tonight better commentary than we've gotten on some New Japan shows recently. And and my take on it was, well, first you 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 said something, Chris, that that was interesting that they were both play by play guys. There was no color. I kind of felt like Jr. was playing color tonight uh, or trying to walk that line. Trying to, yeah. Right, yeah, I think I think you're right about that. But at the same time. Kevin Kelly's just so knowledgeable and so readily, uh, you know, he's such a, he's got such a, a brain for all the stat, the names, and the stats and stuff. I think it sets Jim Ross a little at ease in that environment where, you know, he's been calling one company for, for decades to kind of be in here to have somebody like Kevin Kelly. Where I don't know. I, I think he seemed a little bit more relaxed. He didn't seem as, uh, I hate to say edgy. I think Jim Ross has had a couple edgy New Japan shows where he seemed visibly oh, yeah. or audibly upset. I didn't think we got any of that tonight. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, he's when he compliments uh, Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett's a decent color guy, um, but you know, I I think that <laughs> Kevin Kelly did put him at ease, but it just felt weird. Jr. being a color guy or trying to be, you know, a color analyst. And then the thing is, he would do the Jrisms, and he would get really get into the like the Stone Cold type of things for like a for a split like three or four seconds, and then it'll be like he realizes, oh wait a minute, I need to comment on what Kelly uh, Kevin Kelly does instead of just go right into my play by play type thing. So uh, there was some headbutting there a, a bit, but. You know, it was it was kind of odd to me, to be honest with you. But uh, you know, and it's that's tough coming from me because I think Jr. I think Jr. is the best ever as far as play by play is concerned. But it, it was kind of tough to see him in that role. Uh, and before we get to this next match, too, uh, I I wanted to also touch on the crowd, which is something you brought up, Jesse. This crowd, it was weird because it looked kind of sparse to me and i think that had a lot to do with the yellow bleachers and stuff and the way that they caught the light um but they were loud they seemed really engaged they they were a big part of making this show a lot of fun tonight i thought yeah well they did not draw well to my understanding i think they only did about half the building i heard and 70 to 80 percent and by I, the i don't know what the walk-up was because they could have done good walk-up and good like day of sales but i had heard i think they did like I, last number i had heard was 2000 so we yeah. can get into that maybe later talking about the promotion of the event and coming back to Long Beach and coming in, coming back so soon after, after, you know, all in and the show in San Francisco, I thought that they, what they, one of the things I don't think they did was I don't think they moved the crowd over to the hard camera side, which is usually what you see promotions do. WWE does it. Ring of honor does it. Everyone does it. When you don't have a full crowd, you move everyone over to the hard camera. So it looks like a full crowd. I actually thought at one point when they showed, the section to the right of where you would see the hard camera that that section was pretty much filled up, but the hard camera section had those yellow bleachers as you saw, but yeah. the crowd was loud and that's good because the miking was really good. One of the knocks on ring of honor shows is that the crowd miking is very bad. And that sounds like the crowd isn't making any noise at all. But when you get the crowd making noise and, and they were, and they were hot for, for most of the night for this and, and not just the main event, you know, during the undercard, they were hot too. So that really helps the show flow really well. And, and feel important when the crowd's really getting into the matches. I had the same thought. I was like, can't you just corral people? You got the camera right there. You know, those yellow bleachers, those lines they stacked up. Anyway, yeah. uh, opening bout, ACH, Taguchi, and, and Liger uh, picked up the win. And uh, onward we went. I liked how there was very little breathing in between these matches. It was almost just boom, boom, boom. Back, right back, back to back. Uh, the show flow is great. The exception of the intermission, which we might want to get into later. But I we thought... 
it really helps when you guys, you're not even doing video package. You're just like, this match is over and this match is on. And it feels like yeah. you're flying right through the show. Even though the show's four and a half hours long, it feels great when you don't have like a 15 minute break between each match. Yeah. So uh, right here, we get to it. The addictions, uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian taking on Chase Owens and Hangman Page from uh, Bullet Club. Uh, Hangman Page has obviously been on a tear. Chase Owens kind of the, I hate to say like the Bullet Club runt, right? He always kind of seems to be the Drop one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what his, that's what his role is. That's you know that's good good for him that he can fly to Japan on a re- work in Japan on a regular basis and and get a role in the Bullet Club. You know, well, he, it, everyone needs a job guy. Chaos has Yoshihashi, Yoshihashi, um, uh, and they have Yano, I guess too. And you know, Bullet Club has Chase Owens. Well, I mean, I just I thought this was maybe the best Chase Owens match I'd seen. It, I yeah, enjoyed this one. I, good yeah. time. I thought it was great. Uh, he, he, you know, he got actual heat uh, in the match. You know, going after the fans and stuff. The fans wanted to play with him, and uh, Kazarian and Daniels, they're just. I mean, they're they're in their own world right now. They're going out there and putting up great matches uh, every time. Uh, Chris, what'd you think of this uh, tag bout? Oh, good, uh, good match. I, I'm a big fan of Chris Daniels. Uh, buddies with him, and um, and and I think just the addiction is, you know, is is a great team. Uh, they didn't, they weren't able to to beat the Young Bucks a couple of days before that, but uh, you know, it, it's good to have they they had some redemption against uh, you know, Chase Owens and Heyman Pesa to end the weekend with the win, you know, in in in, uh, in California. So it it, it made sense and. It's interesting that uh, the addiction, being one of the biggest heel teams in uh, in the past year, you know, Scorpio Sky comes in, SCU forms, and now you know they got all the the, the crowd chanting SCU. So uh, Owens and Page, you know, it, it just seems like they weren't going to win because they're on the the lower end of, of the Bullet Club. Although I think Hangman Page is a is grossly underrated um, i agree with you man you said that yeah. like, i don't know about lower end man hangman page him and joey ryan stuff is some of my favorite stuff in wrestling right now yeah but he's still one of the lower end people in the bullet club echelon though i mean un- unfortunately because i think again i think that he should have a singles i mean he's had i think the uh the trios championship the uh right uh but but he's never had a singles title um close to the tv title for roh but never won it so uh, I definitely think he's just way underrated and uh, sometimes improperly utilized. Uh, I know that he had a big win against Jay Briscoe uh, not too far back, but uh, I would I really wish that they would use him better as a singles competitor uh, because I think he has a really good uh, uh, character. And just uh, having a tag team match with Chase Owens really didn't help him much. Yeah, and then that's the thing is maybe they, they're right now waiting to give Hangman Page that opening. You know, we're going to get to the U.S. title picture here in just a moment. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, Jay White being a villain, being a bad guy, you don't want to – it's harder to find, you know, villains to put up against him. You don't want to necessarily do that. But yeah. it's a different landscape now, and I, I'm with you. I think Hangman Page and that as a singles champion would be, uh, would be great, uh, Ring of mm-hmm. Honor or New Japan. Um, of course, uh, the addiction here picked up the win with the best moonsault ever, uh, pile driver combo, Night of a Thousand Tombstones. That was a thought I had taken the away. Best melter ever is what it's called. Oh, the best, the best melter ever. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other, Jesse, anything else you want to say on this match before we move on to uh, to uh, the six man here? It was a good match. I think I'm really impressed by Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, just their career in totality, how they're survivors. They keep coming up with good stuff. They're both 
I think Kazarian's over 40. Daniels, I know, is well over 40. They're still really good in the ring. And this SCU thing, I mean, just hit. They know how to get they know how to get stuff over. And yeah. they know how to stay relevant. And it, I think I'm really impressed with their careers are really impressive, despite, you know, not really being a major stars in any promotions. Yeah, and you know, I think that's more true of Kaz than Chris, because Chris actually got to hold the Ring of Honor World Championship. I mean, he's right. been looked at in that light. Kazarian never really has kind of been given that kind of a shot, but yeah, uh, both really putting on some great matches every night. I wouldn't be surprised if either of them broke away and, you know, came up with that underdog story one more time. Who knows? Uh, let's get some six-man tag match action going on here. Uh, Flip Gordon, Chris Saban, and Jeff Cobb, new Ring of Honor TV champion. He brought the title of the ring with him, uh, taking on the best friends uh, and Hiroki Goto. Uh yeah, we were just talking about Jeff Cobb here. I feel like this was another match where it was just like, let's let's find a way to make Jeff Cobb look awesome here. I thought he was great this bout. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Cobb. I, th- I think um, I really liked him when he was Matanza and Lucha Underground. I think uh, I've seen him uh, compete live when I was doing coverage in New Orleans this year, Mania Weekend. Man, he's he's impressive <laughs> to see in the ring. I love seeing him. And I'm all for a, a rapid, you know, kind of meteoric push for him in ROH. I think it's, uh, I think it was cool. I think his match against Goto, as we saw at the end of the match, they still are, have some animosity from their uh, match for the Never title that uh, uh, Cobb wasn't able to win. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, the match was good. Uh, it's good to see Saban because uh, I actually interviewed Saban this week and he said he wanted to get more New Japan uh, appearances. Uh, so, and it was good to see him, you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, have that new Japan appearance after, uh, after his ROH, he wasn't able to be punishment Martinez. So, yeah, I think just the, the match as a whole, it was a good match and I love seeing Beretta and Chucky T together. It's, it's, it's to me, I'm a traditionalist. I love characters and just the fact that they can put a hug over, you know, as being one of the biggest points of the match. I'm a big fan of that. Who didn't? Everybody's going nuts for those hugs, you know. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I, over. Oh, yep. I agree with you. Um, I I have to say, flips. Uh, you know, Flip Gordon as well in this match. Uh, man, he's get. It, I, I hate to say getting better every match. He's just getting more bendy every match. You know, the way this guy manages to move around that ring. I put up a a pretty innocent tweet. I thought that was just like, man, is isn't Flip Gordon fun to watch? And I was surprised there were like a couple of tweets responding to me there. People are like, this isn't wrestling, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised we, we still kind of get that hate for matches like this. Cause I thought this was a really fun blend of styles we got here on that team. Yeah. Chill out everybody, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. With, with Cobb, I think a universal truth in wrestling is that people will always love watching a big guy toss people around. It's going to oh. get over every time. And he's very good at that. So this was kind of a showcase for him. I love Chuck Taylor, Dustin, Chuck E.T., whatever you want to call him. I think he's he just cracks me up. I think when he, he was going to give Jeff Cobb a suplex and he just screamed, I'm going to kill this guy for real, it just puts a smile on my face every time. He's got such a weird charisma about him. I think he's one of the really talented entertainers we have in you know on the indie scene. Yeah, I agree. Uh, of course, it would be Jeff here to pick up the victory with the Tour of the Islands. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, but afterwards, uh, we got the tease of Goto and Cobb. Uh, going at each other. I think that's a, you know, these are two really big, powerful men uh, as far as an introductory feud for Jeff Cobb to the new Japan faithful. I think Goto would be a great first feud for him. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I mean, well, they they feuded before when when Jeff was uh, kind of. I mean, this is what just a few months back they had her match for the Never Title, but uh, I think now since Jeff is the uh, television champion. Which it's funny because it just kills the spoilers of the TV tapings uh, <laughs> because it hasn't even been aired yet on ROH when he comes out with the uh, television championship. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I definitely think it will be a good match, um, a good rematch because Goto took the first one. And uh, I definitely think him and uh, Cobb will make a good match again because it's kind of like for those who follow New Japan, it's kind of like that continuation, uh, so to speak, of their feud, uh, which they went against each other. I forgot what it was. Uh, was it uh, was it the, the July show? I think it was show uh, in San Francisco with the Cow Palace, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 July, yeah. Uh, G1 special, right? And the right, one, yeah, uh, in July. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so, yeah, so they went against each other then. So that's just, what, three months ago? So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a good match, just like the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's cool. It's, you brought up the Ring of Honor, like, spoilers and stuff. I don't know. Ring of Honor is really kind of screwy with their timelines because the TV stuff yeah. really, really matches up. With the pay-per-views, so I wish I wish they would do something about that. I've heard people there talk about how they wish they would. It's to, I don't know. You see this, you're like, doesn't doesn't even matter. They don't care. I mean, sometimes it can go four to six weeks out before the before the tapings uh, actually air. So, yeah, it's tough, man. I feel like it's 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 a in this you know we're talking Ring of Honor here um, for a moment. It's a bummer for me. Because I want Ring of Honor to have a really successful weekly television product that can help support their storylines and, and build their fan base and stuff. But largely what their show is right now is like an infomercial for Ring of Honor because it doesn't always necessarily match up or like build to things. You get good action and stuff and you get maybe a little intro to characters, but more often than not doesn't actually lead into to big events like this one here. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk a little LIJ. Naito, evil. Sonata taking on Killer Elite Squad and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, from Suzuki Gun. Uh, this was, man, yeah. First of all, I'm just a big Davy Boy Smith Jr. fan. He's a big, scary, fun man. Him and, uh, uh, yeah. So, and Archer. Yeah, uh, him and Archer. Very scary man. Um, what'd you guys, uh, we'll throw to you first, uh, Jesse. What'd you think of this bout? Good match. I thought Davy Boy Smith Jr. looked really good. He's such, yeah. he's such a good talent. He's such a good talent. He's so big, but he's so technically sound as well. He went into, you know, he's like 6'5", 270. He's doing bridges and stuff and submission holds. So I think he's really impressive when he does that kind of stuff. Um, Zach's obviously really impressive. I like the finish with him just basically out-wrestling um, Evil. Was it? Yeah, he was Evil. He got to the submission on. And basically, um, you know, the announcing, I think, did a good job getting that over. It's like, look, Evil's a lot bigger than him, but Zach out-wrestled him, and he's technically superior, and this is why this is important. And I think that helps sell the product more is that you're sell- you're pu- the commentary's job is to put the guys over and make them look like stars. And Zach Sabre Jr., who's not the physical, most physically intimidating guy, when you're putting him over like that, I think it's something that really benefits him. I thought it was a good match, and the finish was what made sense for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Chris, what about you? Yeah, I think it was good too. I mean, it made sense, sense for Suzuki Goon, uh, one of the best, you know, true heel factions in New Japan right now. Which I, I'm all about true faces and true heels. I think they do a fantastic job. I'm actually friends with Lance uh, Archer. I uh, texted him right after the show uh, for any thoughts on uh, you know his show, and he uh, texted back. 
like I always say, everybody dies. That was exactly his uh, quotes. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm all about. Although I'm a big fan of the faces, you know, I, I'm, I'm buddies with Lance, and so it's always good to see the Killer Elite Squad uh, gain a victory uh, on behalf of Suzuki Goon Saber Junior. Man, he's really assimilating in that heel role uh, with with his uh, Suzuki Goon, and uh, I think he's doing a fantastic job at it. He's such a great addition to that group because, like, you know, you've got, like we said, the two big monsters there. And then you bring a guy like Zack Sabre Jr. in, you know, who can get at you from so many different angles and things like that. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, th they're such a good uh, foil to LIJ, I feel, because, you know, with a group like LIJ that is just so visibly terrifying and things like that, how do you find monsters to go up against them? And I think that's exactly what, what happened here tonight. Even kind of seeing, it, like, emotion from evil after the bout, you know, he took the loss really personally and stuff. I just thought they told a really good story here. And I think, again, the crowd being so into it really added to, to what was going on here. Everybody was rolling on all cylinders at this point in the show, really throughout. You know, I'm glad that he didn't turn because it seems like you usually those moments right after where it's just like the heavy emotion and one person's on their knees and one person standing up above them. It's usually the Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, AJ Styles, WrestleMania uh, low blow. And I was I was hoping that that didn't happen because it seemed like there was possibly evil versus Jericho because they've had some beef on both on Twitter and uh, at Dominion uh, when uh, Jer Jericho uh, attacked Naito and the evil came and got the save. So I, I want to see a match between evil and Jericho before we see evil and Naito again. So I'm glad that he didn't turn. I don't know what they're doing and building us up as far as just, you know, because. The commentary did say that he's had consecutive losses against Saber. Right. So maybe he had that big win against Saber, which makes him a bigger uh, opponent for Jericho, which makes sense to me. So if that if it if it foils out that way, I, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Uh, Chris uh, or Jesse, any, anything else you want to add to that? No, I just thought it was a good match. I liked what Chris said about at the end, Saber kind of leaning into that heel role. I thought that was really good heat at the end. Uh, he, I think he got the he got the pin by um uh giving uh two middle fingers, two middle fingers to the crowd yeah. I thought that was that was great i think they're a good heel faction and they are good they're good foil to lij because lij's kind of gimmick is that they're relaxed and nothing really bothers them as opposed to suzuki gun is a bunch of psychopaths particularly minoru suzuki the leader in that every yeah. loss is followed by beating up the young boys or in this case they won and they still beat up the young boys so i think mm -hmm. they are a good foil for them you need to have these if you're going to have all these groups they might as well be fighting with each other it's an excellent point you made there the the energy wise the two teams there um and i'm i'm glad they're not doing the breakup too because it's like you got stuff with chaos bullet club is in like a never-ending perpetual civil war you know it's good to just have you know that uh that dark group of monsters you know laid back mon ch very chill laid back monsters uh that are that are there um yeah. Uh, then we uh, we headed over. Uh, by the way, yes, Zack Sabre Jr., as we said, Killer Elite Squad picked up the win. After the match, uh, Killer Elite Squad uh, beat up some of the Young Lions. There were some body slams. Um, and this is, again, where Evil looked really bothered. Um, moving on to Tanahashi and Kushida taking on Jay White and Gato. Uh, this is, of course, a uh, this was like a continuation here for Jay White and Gato from what had just happened. Uh, what did you guys uh, think of the uh, the chemistry here between Gato and Jay White? I'll throw it to you first, Chris. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I saw the turn um, at the event a couple weeks back, and 
it, it, it was obvious um, because what I heard, I heard some things as far as Gato going away from Okada because Okada was doing the face roll and, uh, you know, it, it got to the point where he didn't need a manager anymore. But, uh, I mean, kudos to Gato, man. I think, uh, you know, he's one of the best, probably probably arguably the best booker, you know, in all of professional wrestling right now. He's really doing some fantastic jobs there for New Japan. And I think that it makes a really good manager for this Jay White project. I think it's because, honestly, to me, I think Jay White by himself uh, just was lacking an intangible because I remember at the, at the beginning of the year, New Year's Dash, when he was, I believe it was New Year's Dash, when he uh, turned again, well, he uh, attacked Omega. He Omega wanted him to join the Bullet Club, and then uh, you know he he uh, uh, double crossed him, and then he beat Omega for the for the U.S. Championship. And but even with the push that New Japan was giving him, I think that there was still a bit of in, intangible. I think him as a heel works and works really well, especially the whole him and J- Josh Barnett thing, which seemed like a shoot <laughs> back at uh, it, did. it yeah. felt very scary in that moment when it went down. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. did. Um, but I still think that there was a there was a slight intangible about Jay White. However, now with Gato, I think it I think it works well. I think he he gets the heat that he needs and he has that manager that it's a mouthpiece for him, especially in Japan. Uh, Jesse, what do you think? Do you think uh, Jay White needed a manager like Gato here? I don't know if he needs a manager, but Gato does give him purpose. It gives him a sets up the big rivalry with Okada. When when uh, Jay White first joined Chaos, he made it very clear. He I think he even said in a promo, he said, "I'm going to turn on Okada one day." Like he said it right up there, so everyone knew that this was coming, and that he was kind of a reluctant member of Chaos, and he was only there because it served him uh, some form of political purpose for him to be there. Sure. So we all knew he was going to turn on Okada one day. We didn't know Gato was, and that's what made the the turn so well was that everyone knew Robinson, or I'm sorry, Jay White was going to just attack was going to attack Okada. It was just a matter of it uh, when, not if. And I like the case thing. I like the case thing they're doing too. Yeah. And, and Gato was like, you know, in in new Japan and Japanese wrestling, you don't have all these, you know, turns and these guys stabbing each other in the back as much as you see in WWE. So it's much, it's much, it's rarer. So it's much more important when it happens, particularly Mm -hmm. when you consider just the unbelievable amount of success that Gato and Okada have had really Gato and Okada are the best manager wrestler tandem of the last 10, 15 years. You could say Lesnar and Heyman. I was about to say, bold statement, right? You know, but seriously, seriously, look at where New Japan was business wise before Gato and Okada teamed up. Sure. And before that whole thing took off, they have done so much together. So that's not, it's not just your, you know, run of the mill. It's time for these guys to split up. It's a serious turn and it gives Jay White a lot of purpose. Now, because I think he's gotten this big push, and like Chris said, he's kind of lacked these intangibles, and you never really know what to think of him, but this gives him a huge feud to really elevate himself, and it's not against just anyone. It's against Okada, who's the top star in the entire company. So I think think he did great tonight. I thought I loved his promo at the end. I loved everything about it. I liked the finish, even though it was a dirty finish. I think he came across as a bigger heel. And as Chris said, Chris said, you know, you like defined heels and baby faces. Well, it's hard to get a bunch of like hardcore fans that are traveling to a new Japan show to boo a heel because usually yeah. they like to cure the heels, but he was getting a lot of heat from that crowd. He, you know, he, he did an excellent job tonight. I, I'm really impressed what they've done with him with this turn. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know that he needed, like you said, I don't think he needed the manager. I do think it's a great observation about how many things it opens up from a storyline perspective for Jay White, because I think he really is a, a great character. I don't know if it's an intangible. I don't know if he's missing something so much as if he hasn't been given the right storylines to help elevate him, because I think as far as being a wrestler goes, you really couldn't ask for a more well-rounded guy right now. Good look, great in-ring style. You know, very good on the microphone. Uh, after the match here, picked up the win, by the way, as, as Jesse mentioned. Uh, it was a dirty finish where Gato had some brass knuckles. He smacked Tanahashi while he was on the top rope. Uh, and then Jay White hit the Blade Runner uh, cover and ended to a course of booze. So after match here, Jay White gets on the microphone. He holds up Tanahashi's Tokyo Dome briefcase, and the crowd boos him a whole bunch. First of all, the FU switchblade, and I, I edited that. Um, do you think that turns off access TV from wanting to live air new Japan content when they see something like that go down. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you should have had, you know, I think you've had, I think you should have had those, uh, speaking of switchblade, yeah. I think you should have had those people in front of the switch pushing, <laughs> pushing some type of edit button when they had that. Cause I was thinking about that and I was like, man, you know, the biggest, the big, pool right now for the states is to have a partnership uh with access i mean they they've you know they, they've had the access access usually airs the new japan shows usually right after it comes on live but i think man if you want really want to get some sponsors i know that harold maids uh kind of implemented you know uh, uh kind of like a restriction as far as like people using profanity in their interviews but uh, we didn't see it tonight in the matches. <laughs> we saw a bunch of middle figures and uh, uh, a bunch of uh, flip-flopping and flying in the mouth, so to speak, uh, when it comes to uh, profanity. So I think I think probably Harold will look at this and say, okay, you, I, of course you can't stop what the fans say, and you want to draw that heat, but at the same time you might want to have some people in front of the switch and, kind of uh, work on uh, uh, <laughs> editing that from uh, from the show. I don't know. And, and, you know, I think it's a tone thing. And I don't think the fact it was streaming online, it's fine. You don't need to edit it. You know, it's just, I don't know, as far as a TV thing goes. I don't know. Just a different tone. Very different. Um, anyway, Jay White says he's uh, beaten Tanahashi again. The what is New Japan waiting for? What is Tanahashi waiting for? Jay White says they're scared and New Japan Pro Wrestling doesn't want their beloved Tanahashi, not in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. First of all, like painting the guy like John Cena, right? I mean, it kind of felt like a, a WWE promo right there where he was putting him <laughs> yeah. up on that Cena pedestal. Well, um, Tanahashi's kind of been like the John Cena of New Japan, though. Like he's, you know, he's like the ace. He's, you know, he's, he's, uh, multi-time, you know, before Okada broke his records, you know, the 12 title defenses and things like that. So if you want to compare, you know, New Japan to, to WWE, I, I would say that Tanahashi was would be the John Cena of, of New Japan. Yeah. Uh, and then he mentions uh, if uh, especially the fan or New Japan wouldn't like it if it was two foreigners in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, insinuating it would be him and, and Kenny Omega. And then he taunts mm -hmm. Tanahashi a bit more and then he bounces. So, yeah, Jesse, I'll throw it to you. This seems to be the kind of thing you're talking about here where you're talking about more interesting storylines. Jay White here with Tanahashi somehow looking to throw the Wrestle Kingdom main event into some kind of flux, right? Well, Jay White beat Okada, and he beat Tanahashi the first two nights in the G1. He didn't go on to win the G1, but it shows you how intricate that booking is, is that this was done, that he beat that 
he beat Okada and he beat Tanahashi with the purpose of setting some up something up later down in the year. And this is that it's going to be uh, White and Tanahashi at the show um, King of Pro Wrestling right later this month. And that this continues to give him purpose. And I think Jay White's not main eventing the Tokyo Dome. I think that's pretty clear. So I think Tanahashi's going to win. I think maybe it could be due to interference, even though they don't really do interference finishes in Japan. But I think it will be something like that. And I think, yeah, it gives him more purpose. He's got a big match going up with Tanahashi, and it means something because he's been beating down Tanahashi. And, you know, you had this whole segment tonight. So, again, it's giving him more purpose. Uh, and then we go to intermission. Uh, now, Jesse brought this up in the beginning. What was a three-and-a-half-hour show probably would have been a three-hour show had they removed this intermission. Uh, is this more tradition? Is this so they can sell T-shirts? What is the point of these intermissions? I think they're very weird. So they're done in Japan regularly. Okay. Almost every major show will have some form of intermission. It's about 15 minutes. And uh, sometimes on the New Japan shows, they'll do what they did tonight, which is just leave a camera at the empty ring and you go do your thing and you come back when it, when it comes on. And sometimes they'll do like more traditional, like we'll have promos and video packages and that kind of stuff. I think definitely tonight, tonight, I don't think they should have done intermission at all, but maybe they want to give the fans a chance to get something to drink and not miss any of the action and, and get them, mm. keep them hot for the entire night. But for me as a viewer, it's terrible. You're just, you're in the middle of something and then it's just not on for 15 minutes and they didn't do any video packages. They should have shown, they do so many great promos they upload on their YouTube channel. Just show some of those. You got the big title matches coming up. You should have done all of those. And that would have been at least something to watch instead of just this blank screen. I know I, I, you know, I was working at the time, so like I didn't like go like make a sandwich or something like that. I just sat there and watched, and it was it's it's terrible. You're 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 ready to keep watching wrestling. You don't want it to be pressed pause for you. Yeah, uh, Chris, you have any any thoughts on the the intermission? Anything? No, you good? <laughs> I I I didn't think it was that bad, honestly. Uh, I've seen the intermission before, New Japan stuff. It's it's tradition. It's it's different, you know. It, it, it worked for me because I was simultaneously working on my PhD dissertation as I'm watching uh, the show. So I had, a, I had time to really focus on my dissertation during that, during that time. So, and it's funny because I was actually helping my middle child with his homework at that time too. Cause I, I said no. Uh, and then my wife needed some help uh, with, with, we have three kids. And, uh, and so, yeah, so it all worked out for me. I helped my middle child do his homework and uh, was working my dissertation. So uh, more intermissions, please. As more most wrestling fans working on their doctoral work. Yeah, I have a less interesting life than Chris, so I just sat here like a potato and watched the intermission. Yeah. There you go. I, uh, I made uh, stew. We made stew. I ate stew. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, so the intermission's done. My favorite part of every New Japan intermission is just listening to Jim Ross be like, all right, well, I guess we're doing this now. And then just putting I his I was hoping he would say something really funny, like when he thought he was off air and you could still hear him. <laughs> I thought that I was waiting for it, too. He's like, the hell's going on over here? Um, like, oh, I hate this show so far. <laughs> Jay White, what a dick. What a dick. Jay White is. I hate Jay White. Somebody go get him. What? <laughs> That's where you hear him just slowly. You hear the jingle jangle of the ice cubes in his Moscow mule, right? That's what it is. Um, Move on to Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight 
title tournament semifinal crowd still white hot. They were way into this match. Um, battle of the entrance ring jackets, wonderful jackets from both men. Uh, what were your big takeaways from this one, Jesse? This was my favorite match on the show. I thought this was one of the best matches I've seen all year in any company. I've seen these guys wrestle a lot before. They have tremendous chemistry together. Um, Osprey, I watch a ton of wrestling. Osprey is the guy that when I watch, I just sometimes I'd be like, wait, how did he do that? Or wait, what did he just do? He's so athletic. He moves so well. Everything's so fluid. And Skrull is the perfect opponent because he's not nearly as athletic, but he's so technically great. And he's so good at getting in his counters and, and tying up Osprey and, and how he gets the chicken wing on him. It's just perfect. It's really like name any two guys that worked wonderful. You know, it really reminded me of Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, which I know is very high praise, but honestly you watch how fluid these guys are together. It's unbelievable. This was a tremendous match. I think Skrull winning the match is a sign that Osprey might not be long for the junior heavyweight division since he's not going to be in the title picture right now. It was, it was a great, great match. It's must see go out and go out and watch it. If you didn't see it live. Did you get hit the same way by this one, Chris? Did it knock your socks off? Maybe one sock. Okay, uh, but not 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 two. Uh, it was it was good. I think it was I think it was a really good match. Uh, you know, bell to bell. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't like awed by it. Probably because I've seen so many Skrull and Osprey matches that my bar is set higher. Yeah, that's kind um, of where I was at too. I was like, this is really good, yeah. but it's not like new. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I felt. And I think I mean no, that. Let's, let's let's be clear. The match was really good, but uh, my my bar is probably higher with Osprey and Skrull matches. Made sense as well because uh, you know Skrull goes to the finals against Kushida. Uh, makes perfect sense for them to uh, be the two that makes it to the finals. Two of the best juniors, and Kushida is a legend in the junior division. So everything made sense. Yeah, uh, there you go. Um, then we moved on to the match that I was the most excited about going into this one. Uh, the Young Bucks defending their IWGP Tag Team Championships uh, against the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, there was a great uh, promo they played just before this match that I thought set the stage really well, uh, kind of explaining uh, quickly the, the civil war that's going on, the firing squad and the and the Bullet Club elite factions. Um, it made this match feel really important, and I loved the fact that the Gorillas of Destiny picked up the win because I think it, you know, it, it just opens up the door for better storytelling. You got the Bucks coming back. I'm glad that this this civil war is playing out in a fun, cool way, and it's not becoming boring. Uh, I don't know if that resonates uh, with you. I'll throw it back to you, Chris. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan that GLD won it. Um, I think that uh, they're one of the best heel tag teams in, in pro wrestling right now. I think Tomatonga is. You know, he he's a staple heel in New Japan. You know, it's like, man, I it's kind of I wish that he is higher in echelon as far as singles heels. Uh, you know, he had some, you know, he's he's been in the in the uh the G one and had some mild success, you know, before, but at the same time, you know, he's really a tag team guy as far as what we've seen over the past few years. And so uh and and, and so it made sense for them to win it because of the turn at the G1 and the the fact that they kind of get the retribution to ultimately, it seems like probably 
um either i don't don't think king of pro wrestling be i think that'd be too uh too short so say probably three months from now which will be uh wrestle kingdom the bucks will probably pick it back up after you know all this toil and so yeah i mean it makes sense uh I kind of wish that we see more, we see different tag teams right now in the in the heavyweight division. <clears throat> you know, as far as just contenders are concerned. I mean, of course, we had Evil and Sonata. We had Archer and 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 Davy Junior. Kind of like a year ago, but we don't really see a lot of new teams kind of being implemented in the the heavyweight division. Now we have Rapunky 3K in the junior division this year, but. I kind of wish we had more heavyweight teams. Uh, yeah, Jesse, how about you? Uh, the, the right choice was made here, putting the bio, putting the belts on God. I think they had to win because they really need to win and establish themselves as legitimate threats to whoever they're facing. And if you want to give them a big push, they got to win their first kind of major match against these guys. It was probably the best match you've ever seen the Gorillas of Destiny have. I thought it was really good. I thought they worked well as a team. They did a ton of different moves. It, it worked really well. I thought I liked the video package because it kind of established like both sides of the argument. You have the Gorillas of Destiny, which are like, look, I'm tired of all this infighting. These guys all hate each other. It's total drama. It's stupid. And I hate it. And they're valid. There was a lot of drama and infighting. You have the Young Bucks on the argument side. It's like, look, we've made the Bullet Club bigger than ever. We're making all this money. If you don't like it, we'll boo-hoo. And you kind of you saw that in the live crowd where some people were supporting the Young Bucks and some people were supporting Gorillas of Destiny, which I thought was pretty impressive considering how popular the Young Bucks are and how the, this was event was held basically in their backyard in, mm-hmm. in Southern California. So I thought all of that played really well into what was a very good match. And Chris is right. They have too few tag teams in New Japan in the heavyweight division. It's the same teams over and over again. And even if those matches are good, it's still, you know, the same four or five teams. And there's a lot of talent out there that they can go get. There's only, I think it's weird. I think there's, there's really only one Japanese heavyweight tag team. And that's evil and Sonata. Everything else is, yeah. is mostly foreigners. And you have a cut, like you have like a 10 Koji with Tenzin and Kojima, which is technically, but we haven't seen them team together. I think Kojima's out injured anyway but it's just i i I, bottom line is i agree i think they need to have more teams yeah uh real fun real fun match i love watching king haku presiding as well i'm a big haku fan i think he adds a a great x factor and um i'm with you i jesse i think it's really cool they've been able to keep that momentum behind these different factions i think they've made it fun for wrestling fans and (laughs) <laughs> the goozle, the tongue and death grip. You see this? Yeah, I see it. I, see it. <laughs> I had to take a moment. I was just going to let it sit there. Uh, you know, I was like, <laughs> um, I, I think they've just done a really good job of keeping this fun for the fans and keeping everybody strong too, right? If the Bucks had won tonight after the GOD had just done the turn, I, it would have, it would have killed some momentum here. This was yeah. the perfect way to keep everybody rolling. And uh, I just thought it was great. Um, then, uh, we'll get to, uh, the, uh, IWGP United States championship match here's juice Robinson defended against Cody. And I was like, kind of shocked that juice lost. Uh, was, was that surprising to, to either of you? Um, 
I wasn't a fan of it actually. Uh, I think that uh, you're 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 pushing Juice as a uh, a really good baby face right now, and I think you want to keep that momentum on Juice. I think it makes no sense at all to make Cody a dual champion. I mean, I, I know that NWA is a different entity from uh, New Japan, but they work in conjunction a lot together. So it doesn't make, especially since. Uh, NWA titles are defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Rob Conway just defended uh, a few years back, and so I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't see the point of that. Uh, I think that you, I think that you keep building Juice's momentum as a babyface, which it took him a while to even get to this point, and you keep Cody as the NWA champion and end up and and Cody feuds with someone and and defends it in wrestle kingdom and then you have juice feud against someone defending wrestle kingdom i don't see the point of having cody be nwa champ and u.s champ for the sake of uh you know taking away some momentum from juice that you built up you know to to get this far it just it just didn't make sense to me how about you jesse were were you taken aback by this or was this something you agreed with Really neither. I, I think they have big plans for Cody, so I wasn't super surprised to see him win the championship. I get the argument of Juice has built that momentum up, and he is. you would like to keep that by having him have the title, but maybe he'll get more momentum by chasing the title that he lost. Yeah. Juice kind of got over as kind of like a, not, I don't want to say like a lovable loser, but kind of as an underdog that was always chasing things and was never in like a real position of power. So it's possible that this is, this could be beneficial to juice down the line. I, I see it more as though that they've just got big plans for Cody and they want Cody on their shows. And Cody has said in the past, he's going to be dedicating more time to working in new Japan full time. So I, I, I don't see it as a huge negative for, for, for them. I just think it's just something that they wanted to do. You know, and there's been a lot of rumors about, you know, when contracts or certain people are coming up and stuff like that. And I'm sure having a title on Cody, only does things to put him, uh, you know, in, in their pocket a little bit more, I would think. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it, I was just surprised, man. I, on every level, I was with I was with you guys, with you, Chris, where it was like Juice has been, you know, organically building himself up. He's winning this crowd over. He's fi- he's finding his voice. He's finding his character. Big wins over, uh, over guys like Cody are where this guy needs right now. Cody's going to be Cody, right? Brandy could have done something. He, get, he slips on a banana peel whatever right you move on but a win over cody does a lot more for juice i i i hope you're right jesse that the chase of getting this title back is worth it because my gut tonight said uh this is the first I time just, full show you know yeah i, I just wish that it, if he lost it i'm not a i'm not okay i'm okay with with losing it to a really good heel to win it back at a bigger event to gain even more momentum but Cody's been flip-flopping between face and heel so much over the past six months that I don't I just don't think that he's the guy. You know, he was a heel and then he reunited with with Kenny Omega at the G1. And then he played and then he's been feuding with Juice as more of a heel role. Then he's the face at all in. And then he's the heel when he wins. And then he at the end of the night, he's more of a baby face when he does the triple threat match. And so I wish that they would have done something like like Minoru Suzuki. You know, I mean, I think that he's probably one of the best true heels right now. I think if someone like a Suzuki defeated Juice Robinson and then he kind of gets his come up into that Wrestle Kingdom, I think that that helps Juice. 
But just losing against Cody, who's not really a good enough complimentary heel to his baby face, I don't think it helps him as much as another person could have. Yeah, uh, well, time will tell. Uh, definitely a wait and see on this one, uh, how, how it plays out now that the title is, is off of juice, which, again, upset yeah. me. Um, main event time, Ishii and Okada taking on Ibushi and Omega, the Golden Lovers, uh, representing Bullet Club Elite. Uh, man, you'd have thought Elvis was fighting Frank Sinatra here, the way the fans were reacting with Omega and Okada in the ring together. Uh, these guys have just as much energy as they've ever had. I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, do you think this is uh, this was a worthwhile main event for their return to Long Beach? I'll throw it to you, Jesse. Well, that's a debatable question. I think if they had a bigger main event, like an IWGP heavyweight championship defense, it would have drawn a bigger crowd. Yeah. This wasn't the thing about this was this wasn't really a, that big of a show for New Japan. They had some title defenses on it, but they didn't have the world championship defended. They were, it was almost all tag matches. This wasn't like a killer show that they were really trying to produce. And we can you can debate that that's that hurt them. That hurt them with attendance for sure. It hurt them this show from a momentum standpoint as far as like wasn't like they were coming back and giving us their A show. This was very much a Corcon Hall show that they would normally produce. And this was a tag match in the main event. It was an excellent match. They put more energy into it than they probably would uh, for just kind of like a generic Corcon Hall show. But I, I, I have no problem. I can't have, I can't say it wasn't a worthy main event because it was a great, great match and the crowd was really hot for it and all that stuff. So it checked all those boxes, but I do think they could have come with something stronger and had a bigger impact with these U.S. shows because I think it's very clear that the fans really want to see, you know, Okada and Omega in the United States or Okada and Tanahashi in the United States or one of these big signature New Japan matches in the United States. And I think sooner rather than later, and they'll definitely do for the MSG show, they'll definitely have a killer main event like like one of the two matches I just said. But I think it's just. Um, they could have done something bigger for this particular show because it didn't have the momentum that previous new Japan shows in the U S had had. Yeah. And you know what? I think you're, I think you made a good point about there just being too many tag matches on the show. I feel like if maybe the undercard had had more singles bouts, like maybe you could have done go to Cobb, right. You could have just gotten right to it there. It, then this tag match main event would have felt bigger, but the fact we saw so many tag matches on the show, uh, I think that did take away from it a little bit. Chris, what did you think of the main event here? Yeah, that's a good point. I think seven out of nine matches were tag. Uh, well, you had Skrull Osprey was a singles. Cody versus uh, Juice singles. And that was it. Was that it? Yeah. Oh man, two matches. But that's Dude. how that's how that's how New Japan books. They don't have singles match. Like if you watch any even their biggest shows, unless it's a title match, they don't have singles matches. It's all tag matches. It's just it's different than a lot of American companies. But that's how they do it, and they tell stories through. You know, they told the story of Jeff Cobb in Hiroki Goto through a tag match. They right. told, you know, the Juice Robinson, Hiroshi Tanahashi thing through a tag match. It's just different. They, they don't do, you know, singles matches are supposed to be big and important and happen rarely and not just thrown together on a show. It's, it's just different. And I agree that, you know, maybe if there were more singles matches, they are in the United States. It's a different audience. Maybe the crowd would have... Yeah you know, been different, but the crowd loved this match, this, this show. So I can't really say like, Oh, you know, they, if they had more singles matches, the crowd would have been hotter for it because the crowd was hot all night. See, yeah. I, I think that the crowd would have loved the show anyways, because to say 
this isn't like a WWE show. You know what I mean? People buy WWE tickets just because it's a WWE show. You know what yes, I mean? I think with this, it's a different type of animal because you already have a diehard crowd who's going to buy tickets knowing, you know, you don't have casuals when it comes to American-based New Japan product. You know what I mean? And if the casuals are very, very rare for a product like this. And so the expectation was already high and the crowd was already going to pr produce that type of uh, reactions toward the match because of knowing the characters and knowing the wrestlers. And so I think it's a different animal. I think, like, for instance, Tai Chi, you know, he's he's the never champion now. He beat Goto. And so I think, you know, he Tai Chi was nowhere in sight. You know what I mean? So I think at least having some type of singles something else would have been better for the show instead of just packing all of this tag. And I agree with you, Jesse, as far as just an American crowd. However, it's a different animal. But I think if you want to bring in casuals, you know, kind of like what they did at the G1 of 2017, having like Billy Gunn, you know, going go against, I believe, Tanahashi at the time and, you know, having having some older names or some more uh, established names be a part of the show. I think that it seemed like they tried to do that last year, but it, not so much this year, maybe because they feel like they have a good product as a whole to bring to the States. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But I think you kind of have to bring those, you know, elements in to draw a casual crowd because you want casual fans to be a part of your product to get tickets anyways. Well, uh, and we'll talk to post-match here, but we will get back one second to the promotion of this because, you know, they have more, they've announced more American shows, I think, this year than like any other year, right? Yeah. This is like their, their big push. You know, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if they're thinking, do we have to do those kinds of super shows every time or can we do it more you know, traditional show that we would do over in Japan and it will, will it draw the same? You know, we don't really know exactly what all the experiments are that they're running right now. Um, after the match, I'm sorry, Jesse, do you have something to say? Well, I, I don't think they've run a super show in the United States yet. They will at the Madison Square Garden show, I'm sure, but yeah. I don't think we've gotten like, uh, you know, obviously we haven't gotten a Wrestle Kingdom level show in the United States, but none of the other big pay-per-views like Dominion or, um, you know, or King of Pro Wrestling King yeah. or any of those level shows those those level cards haven't been in the united states yet the yeah. i'd say we gotten more like the most recent shows they had the destruction in kobe the destruction in hiroshima that i think we've gotten those kind of level shows with like one or two title matches but nothing really major i think we haven't seen that yet uh because those are safe for japan you know those are big dates in japan mm -hmm. uh so you, you know how much are you going to sacrifice your own strong domestic market for what is essentially experimental shows at this point yeah. in the United States? Yeah, it is. It's like a weird chess game going on right now over on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, after the match, Okada helped Ishii to the back. Omega and Ibushi were celebrating in the ring. Adam Page, the Bucks, Marty Skrull, they head to the ring. They congratulate the Golden Lovers on their win. Omega says he's sorry about the Bucks dropping the titles tonight. Omega says he notices a few empty seats tonight, but he sees a lot of smiling faces out there. Omega notes there's another show just over a week, and he calls up Ibushi. He says a few things to him in Japanese and translating what he just said from from the back comes Cody. Omega offers up a title match to Ibushi. Cody hops in the ring and takes the mic. Cody says he wants to take the burden from them and ask the crowd if they want to see the match. Cody says, how about this? Ibushi versus Omega versus Cody. He hops out of the ring. Omega gets back on the mic. He says, you know what? That's a good idea. There's only been one triple match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So why not do something original? He uh, he says this is what ha he's uh he says that it's going to be Omega versus Ibushi versus Cody at King of Pro Wrestling on October 8th. 
and uh, he signs off to the show. So kind of one vine to the other. Do you think this was an effective way to, to build interest for King of Pro Wrestling? I'll go, go right back to you, Jesse. Well, it's very unexpected. New Japan does not do triple threat matches. Uh, it's funny. Kenny said there was only one uh, in history. There's actually been two. Um, there was one a few years ago in Ring of Honor when AJ Styles was the champion. It was Styles versus Okada versus Michael Elgin. And there was one, I believe, back in 2005 between Brock Lesnar, uh, Kazuyuki Fujita, and Masahiro Chono. And that was like a colossal disaster of a match. And it apparently it was so bad that it kind of went away. We're never doing triple threat matches ever again. And Gato doesn't like to do triple threat matches, at least for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So right. I did not expect this to be a triple threat match. Chris said earlier in the night that he like Cody's been playing heel. He's been playing face. I'm very confused who, what he's supposed to be in, yeah. in New Japan. If it, maybe it's different. He's different person in ring of honor than he is in new Japan and all this stuff, because he was pretty much a heel. He was definitely a heel during the juice Robinson match. And here it was a very heel move. Like I'm just going to insert myself into the match. And then Kenny's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, we'll make history. Right. And that was kind of awkward, but it also gets them out of having like, eventually they can do, Omega and Ibushi in a singles match for the IWGP championship. And that still saves that big match for another one down the road. And now in, you know, for the October show, they'll have a triple threat match, which will be very different. I'm sure it'll be much better than the one that happened back in 2005. And um, it is definitely interesting. It's definitely an interesting angle for the show to do with the triple threat match, because especially fans in Japan, I don't think we're expecting that. And I, and I, the, my only complaint about it was I almost missed it, right? Like the show is over. I walked in here. I started setting up for the live stream and everything. And I was like, oh, wait, I guess they're still doing stuff. And New Japan and Ring of Honor, they do this a lot. Like they end the show with the, the promos and things like this. I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of wish they wouldn't do it. It just is more time. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of it. Chris, did, did you uh, like this little sign off here? Uh, this is total tradition for new japan okada's done it plenty of times <laughs> uh actually gato usually does it with okada for for a number of years um but and i'm okay with it because i think um I, i'm always fascinated when omega speaks japanese and when he would do it you know uh during the shows uh especially when he won in dominion i think it was very impressive um so yeah i mean it makes sense to me just because if it's, it's a new japan tradition and it makes sense that they're setting up the triple threat too because i th definitely think you want to save that match between omega and abushi i actually thought that abushi was going to win the g1 I, even before the g1 started i had abushi winning and them doing the golden lovers at wrestle kingdom but it seemed like they're doing a different route they may do it at dominion they may stretch it out all the way to dominion which you know, would make Omega have the title for a year, which would make it a bigger thing for Ibushi. From what I heard, there's still some contractual things like Ibushi is still kind of freelancing as far as I remember. Um, and so I think if they lock in maybe something with him, uh, I mean, I'll be totally fine with Ibushi being champ and maybe winning a Dominion next year. All right. Uh, and that brings us uh, to the end of uh, New Japan Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Uh, we got a couple News items here we're going to talk about real quick, and then we are going to wrap it up here for this evening. Uh, actually, before we get to the news, we did put a pin in it. Uh, briefly, let's touch upon the the build from Access TV's and promotional-wise from New Japan's. And for this, Jesse, I know that you've got some opinions about this. I'll give you the, the floor here for a quick second to, to talk about why you don't think that this show clicked with an audience the way it maybe could have. 
Well, I thought the show, from a quality standpoint, was very good. Once the show was on, it was great, very good to great. There were a lot of really good matches um, throughout the show. It flowed nicely, with the exception of the intermission. I thought that was all a success. But the promotion for the show was bad. They didn't announce a card until I think a week or so to go for the show. Yeah, I didn't really know. They, they are they are known. They don't do any local advertising in Los Angeles area for these shows. They are coming back to the same place that they've uh, they've only had shows in California and they've had most of the shows in, in SoCal and Long Beach. I, I just think that moving forward, they're going to have to take be more aggressive with their approach. I think they have to have bigger cards in the U.S. And I think they just got to do a better job promoting locally and promoting getting people there. I mean, 2,000 fans is nice. It's a good crowd or whatever. If you said 70%, then it's 30,000, uh, 3,000 fans. That's great. But you, you, this was the same arena that they sold out in like 30 minutes or, or sold out in one day uh, a few months earlier. So I think they're just coming back to the same places. I think for New Japan, their two goals should be one should be to have a bigger show in the United States, which they're doing with the Madison Square Garden show. I'm sure that will be the big show with an IWGP Heavyweight Championship defense and all that stuff. But I think the next step is they have to get out of California and they have to do like, if I was them, this my, my expansion strategy would be to go do like a five or six city tour along the East Coast where they haven't been. Do run two or 3,000 seat arenas in like Toronto, Boston, New York, Philly, and DC and just see how you do. Because I think that's the logical step for increasing their presence in the United States is doing a real tour as opposed to doing these one-off shows in the same building in the same city. All right. Uh, so, yes. Now uh, on to the, uh, the non-New Japan news. Uh, uh, over the weekend, uh, WWE announced that Batista is going to be coming back uh, for the SmackDown Live 1000th episode October 16th. Uh, he's going to be doing an Evolution reunion. I don't. I don't really know what to make of this, Chris. What do you think is going to happen when Batista comes back to SmackDown and and gets in the ring with the Evolution guys? He's going to quit again, like he did uh, before. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what would be cool to me? I was thinking about this a few a few days ago. I think, and this is just totally probably won't happen, but totally just kind of fantasy. But uh, what would be cool was if they, they cut a promo and then all of a sudden the Wyatt family come back and they stand on one side and then the shield come back and they, and they stand on the other side and they all just kind of, and, and they do the, you know, the, the tease to get up on the rope on, on the apron, like they, like they did before. They both sta- stand facing evolution, and then you do a triple threat uh, main event for the evening. So you would put Hunter, Batista, and, and Orton as the team. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Flair's not, definitely not Flair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't know if Rowan's uh, able to come back, but you know, heck, you know, you can throw Strowman in there. You know what I mean? Even if Rowan is uh, still injured. Yeah, Yeah, for me, I feel like Orton's going to lay somebody out. He's kind of got this edge to him right now. He's got very Stone Cold personality. I feel like they're going to, like, force him into the family photo, and then he's going to beat up Dad, you know, kind of deal, would be my guess. Chris, do you have any – or Jesse, do you have any expectations for the Evolution reunion? My expectations are pretty low because we've seen these, you know, shows, the Raw 25th anniversary, Raw 1000 – you know, all this stuff that happens with, with, with WWE's, these big shows, they get so many people on the show and they have guys come out for one segment and that's pretty much it. So I wouldn't expect it. I'm not expecting an angle to come out of it. Batista has said he's willing to come back. 
and do like a one more program in WWE. And he said he really wants to do it against Triple H. So he could be setting that up. Um, I don't know when they would have their mad, their big match. I don't know. It seemed like Batista would be more like a WrestleMania thing because that's a big match. Um, yeah, he said Mania. I think he told JR Mania. Yeah, I ex- you know, honestly, I expect them to come out into the ring. They might do something like a, like another group will interact with them. Maybe it's the Shield. Maybe it's the Wyatt family. I don't even know what Evolution's doing on, on SmackDown since they were a Raw faction. I know got the guys individually were on SmackDown at different points in time. It just seems like they need to do a reunion, and they haven't done a revolution uh, evolution reunion in a little while. So this is what they're doing. I don't really have high expectations for it. Maybe it does lead to a Batista Triple H feud. Maybe it leads to Randy Orton doing something. But I think it'll just be kind of like a segment that they do because they want to have as many big names on this Raw yeah. 1000 show as possible. Man, Evolution re- Evolution is reforming just before Evolution the event. You know, it's like full on Darwinism right now on WWE. Um, all right. Lastly here at wrestle votes is a Twitter handle that is occasionally broken, uh, reliable stories. They're saying right now that it looks like Shawn Michaels could not just be coming back for this, uh, tag team match. It looks like with triple H versus Kane and undertaker, what looks to pop probably take place at the WWE crown jewel event, but we could also be staring down a possible Shawn Michaels singles match return with the undertaker. I just, I don't know. I want to care about this. I really do. I just, if it's me personally, I want Shawn Michaels coming back, working with a younger talent like a Tommaso Ciampa or something like that. That would be my preference. Uh, Jesse, since I went to Chris first last time, I'll I'll go to you first this time on this story. What do you think about a possible Shawn Michaels return here? Well, why didn't, why hasn't Shawn Michaels come back yet? Uh, to wrestling, you know, he's still in shape, you know, he's capable of having a match. Why is he coming back in Saudi Arabia? And I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves and what that means for the future. Because if, if he wasn't coming back because he wanted a lot of money in the Saudi Arabia show is giving him a lot of money, then that's one thing. Then he'll come back. But if he wasn't coming back because, you know, he, 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 he had his retirement match and he didn't want to have a match after his retirement match and he wanted to stay retired then um, maybe once he has a Saudi Arabia match, that Band-Aid will come off and he'll be willing to have more than one you know, additional match. I think when he does come back, I, I, I agree with you that I would like to see him wrestle, you know, AJ Styles or, 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 you know, Daniel Bryan would be the big one since Shawn Michaels helped train him. But I also know how WWE books and WWE want to have the biggest match possible. And even though us hardcore fans would be like, oh yeah, Daniel Bryan versus Shawn Michaels. The fact is, if they're going to have a big WrestleMania style match, it's going to be against The Undertaker or it's going to be against Triple H and it's going to be against another legend and they can build it like that because that's what they do. And, um, you know, maybe Shawn will come back. They haven't, WWE, even without the Saudi Arabia deal, has enough money now that they can offer them, you know, him as much money as possible. But maybe he, he's, because I think it, I think it's clear he's coming back to the Saudi Arabia show because of the money. He doesn't have any great love for this big, you know, this feud or he, this is really important for him to do a tag match with triple H against the undertaker and Kane. I think the, you know, he's going to get a lot of money for it and it's well worth his time to receive multi-millions of dollars for will end up being 20 minutes of work. God bless. All right, Chris, I'll give you the final word here on the final topic. What do you think about a possible Scott Michaels return? All right, so um, <clears throat> fans of the Pancakes and Power Slam show know that uh, they're, they're big fans of my Vince McMahon impersonation. So I'm going to do it now, but I need you, Nick Houseman, to put back those Okada dollar, dollars, and I'm going to explain to you in the Vince McMahon impersonation why 
Shawn Michaels is coming back. All right, here we go. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. <laughs> so there, there you go. That's that. That's the reason why Shawn Michaels is coming back to Crown Jewel. And uh, as far as another match, I, you know, I'm a big fan of what Shawn Michaels has said as far as just uh, AJ Styles. He's like, listen, there's there's no rhyme or reason for me to do it. There's there that makes no sense. It it just puts AJ Styles over, or does it really? put him over at the expense of my brand and it makes it makes perfect sense to me because if aj styles just simply beats Shawn michaels at the royal rumble what does that really do it doesn't really put aj styles over to some new level heights you know it, it as much as it just hurts Shawn michaels like oh he just came back just to make you know just just to just to beat you know he he, he came back just to lose to aj styles and six months, it doesn't mean anything. So I, I'm I'm a fan of Shawn Michaels when he says that. And, and I agree with WWE's booking, people coming back to put people over. That is it. I mean, look, look at the look at Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. I mean, that's one of the that's the that's the Roman Reigns' biggest uh, win of all time. Really passed the baton to Roman Reigns. And then weeks later, he gets tipped over by an ambulance by Braun Strowman. Just, just totally, you know, dampers the whole thing as far as just putting him over. They've done a very poor job really using wins to put people over. So I agree with it. If Shawn Michaels comes back for a singles match, I can see Survivor Series. I would prefer him and Taker at Mania. But just going against a Daniel Bryan or a, a newer talent, it, the way WWE really books people, it wouldn't mean anything. All right, guys, we'll leave it there for tonight. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Wrestling Inc. Uh, YouTube podcast post New Japan Pro Wrestling Fighting Spirit Unleashed livecast celebration hour and, and some change with us. Uh, it's been a blast here. Uh, as of 11 minutes ago, I am now officially the managing editor of Wrestling Inc. Uh, it's 10-1 now, my time. So I uh, want to thank you, Chris and Jesse, uh, both for uh, helping me christen the boat uh, with your champagne. Uh, I don't really know what that means. Uh, but I, I will throw it to you guys one more time each to uh, let everybody know where they can follow you online. Uh, first, Chris, where, where would you like to send people to find you? Pancakes and Power Slams. Uh, it, every week, I believe we're at the 340th episode. I actually talked to Eric Bischoff on the phone today or yesterday because it's now uh, Sunday. It's now it's Monday, 10-1 Eastern to my time as well. Uh, so talked to him Sunday. We uh, got a live Q&A. For all, so for all those who follow our, uh, the Pancakes and Power Slams on YouTube, uh, get your questions ready. Uh, we got uh, Eric Bischoff scheduled for a live Q&A. So come on through. There you go. And Jesse, where would you like to send people to find you online? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Jesse Collings, J-E-S-S-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-G-S. My call-up views from the Turnbuckle comes out on Wrestling Inc. every Friday. All right. Oh, at, at Chris Prolific is my Twitter, at Chris Prolific. There you go, guys. And I'm at Wink Rebel, W-I-N-C Rebel. Officially changed the, the Twitter handle over. And uh, since I am joining Wink, I uh, am going to be doing my own weekly show now for Wrestling Inc. on top of other managerial duties uh, that are revealing themselves to me. Every Thursday now, you're going to be able to listen to what I am calling the Winkly. Get it? It's very funny. Uh, it's the Winkly. It's about an hour or so of me talking the top news of the week, uh, mixed with interviews, talking to experts from the field. Uh, this Thursday, 
The first episode will feature an interview I just recorded with David Arquette. We have a, a great time chatting about a many, many different things. I'm also going to be talking to Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated's Justin Brasso about All In. We, uh, we're both there, sitting next to each other. And uh, we talk about the news of the week. Uh, so tune into that. Support Wrestling Inc. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your night. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.